you have your Bible, turn uh, with me to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. I'll be reading this morning through the, uh, from the New King James Version. That's Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. We are uh, in sermon number 3 in a series of messages that I've called Pentecost, the power of God. And today I specifically want to preach on you shall receive power. How many knows that we receive power from the Holy Spirit? Amen. Let's begin at verse 4. And being assembled together with them. Let's stop right there. As I was rereading for about the 30th time this morning, the Lord showed this to me. And being assembled together. How many knows that good things happen when the children of God assemble together? Amen. Uh, so we shouldn't fail to do that. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Can you say that with me? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Say that with me. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. As we look at this series of messages, one of the things that I want to emphasize is a word that the Lord gave me uh, back a few weeks ago, that we are in a season of preparation for even greater things. And uh, as I begin to notice uh, the beginning with John near the end and then traveling into the book of John and then traveling uh, into Acts, I see that Jesus was always preparing his disciples for the next and the new thing. He was constantly helping them transition and move from one thing to another. And, and I believe that we are in a season of transition uh, as we are in the last days, that's what the Bible tells us, uh, and that there are new things. The Word of God says that, behold, Jesus, the Lord says, I do a new thing, uh, that there will be streams in the desert, that there will be water uh, in the wilderness. All of these things that seem impossible, yet the Lord is preparing each of us for a new season. Look at your neighbor and say, God's preparing us. And as Jesus uh, uh, is preparing his disciples for what's going to take place, uh, they have experienced his crucifixion, they have experienced his death and his burial and his resurrection, and they are about to experience his ascension into heaven. Uh, as we look at this, Jesus is preparing them, and can you imagine being a disciple of Jesus, and he says, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go back to the Father uh, who sent me here, 
and the questions and the concerns and the stresses that you might have. But yet, he said, there will be another helper. How many uh, need another helper? Uh, there will be another helper who will come beside you and help you uh, get through these transitions and these changes because there are greater things to come. And we see that Jesus taught them about that and He was speaking about the Holy Spirit. Here is Jesus, crucified, dead, buried, arisen from the grave, is with His disciples 40 days. Now, if you read your Bible closely, you'll see that He's appearing and reappearing. He's coming. He's not there with them all the time. Uh, look at Acts chapter 1, verse 3. He's coming and He's going. He's assuring them. He's showing them uh, that He has a resurrected body and that He is alive. And He is teaching them about the kingdom i.e. He is preparing them for what is to come in the kingdom. He is making them ready. Look at your neighbor and say, He's preparing us. We see that He's appearing, He's uh, teaching, He's doing all of these things, and we don't know how, but as we read this text, we understand that the disciples knew somehow, maybe Jesus had told them, maybe it was a, a ministry to their spirit, but they knew that this would be the last time that they would see Him on earth and as he is about to ascend he says wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit and that's really good whenever you just read it but when you experience having to wait it is not fun can I get an amen I don't know about you but I don't like to wait never have like to wait I want it when? Now. I want it when, where? Here. I want it just immediately, right? And that's the way we are sometimes. And Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And there is a principle here that is behind this waiting. It's an understanding that the disciples begin to get that they must fully rely upon God. Can I tell you that you cannot do this life and be successful as a Christian without the empowering of the Holy Spirit in your life. We must fully rely upon God uh, in order to do the things that He's called us to do. Look at your neighbor and say, wait for the promise. And as we look at this, not only is it the words, but the intention behind what Jesus is saying. Here he is, the very, some of the very last things that he will tell his disciples. Imagine if you were about to depart, uh, never to physically see someone, a friend, uh, uh, someone who's close to you, and you're speaking to them, and your last words would be very important, hopefully, uh, and that you would give them something to hang on. That's what Jesus was doing with his disciples, and he said, wait for the promise. You see, he waited to even tell them so that it would be fresh on their mind. He waited so they would understand that it was vital and necessary for them to receive the Holy Spirit. He waited to tell them this news so that they would be in anticipation. And then he said, it's the promise of the Father. And they knew enough about Jesus. 
He said, if you've seen uh, me, you've seen the Father. And that if uh, the Father said he's going to send the promise, they knew that it was coming. They knew that it was, uh, it was about to happen. And so they were to wait for the promise of the Father. Now, can I tell you something? We struggle with waiting, but some things are worth waiting for. Microwave meals are not like that. That big meal that you get and it shows you that beautiful picture, mashed potatoes and gravy and turkey and all that stuff. Anybody getting hungry yet? Not for a microwave meal, I'm not. But what about a pot roast that you put in the crock pot? And, and you got, yeah, somebody help me preach this morning. And, and you got that good old gravy in there and you got some uh, potatoes in there and you got some carrots and oh somebody help me preach this morning right so is that worth waiting for all day long suddenly the house begins to smell wow what that aroma is and soon after breakfast is done and you put that on you begin to smell that and you're like man i'm living in anticipation already because tonight we're about to get some food on you know what i'm saying uh we're about to eat some grub we're about to uh get into there and and experience something that was worth waiting for see there's some things that god has in store for us that are worth waiting for and it's this principle that we must rely upon God. We can't make it happen. Uh, we can't uh, do anything to cause it to come to pass. We must rely upon God. By the way, if you're taking notes, F-R-O-G. Fully rely on God. You see, they're not to start the mission until they have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm about to get in your business. I don't know if you're getting in yours, but it got in mine. He said, don't do anything except go wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. Wait. I don't like it. Do you? Many times, uh, uh, can I just tell you that type A personalities, and I got a little bit of that in me, that if the Lord said show up at 10 a.m. and something's going to happen, uh, we'd be there at 9 trying to make it happen. Come on, right? But that's not the principle behind this. The principle is to fully rely upon God. His timing, His purpose, His values in place, all of that that we rely upon God, uh, not that we do nothing, but that we are waiting upon Him and that we're uh, ministering and that we're obedient to what He's called us to do. Wait. Anybody have trouble waiting? Wait until you're baptized. That word means to be immersed, to be completely saturated, to be empowered by the Spirit of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, neighbor, look back at him and say, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit too, right? We need it. And the good news is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to all of God's children. Can I get an amen this morning? 
It's not something that you cannot have. This baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to us. And we uh, just seek the Lord. We just uh, worship the Lord and, the, and that God will baptize us in the Holy Spirit. He will receive and be empowered for the mission that God's called us to do. Now, you've got to receive it by faith. Just like you received your salvation by faith. For we are saved by grace through what? Through faith. And so, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you do it by faith. It's not a man-made formula. I've been around a long time. I've seen a lot of things in Pentecost. And I've seen people praying around the altar with other people. And they're like, say, Honda, Honda, Honda. You know, I'm making light of that, but that's not how you receive the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit by faith as you seek the baptizer, who is Jesus, and He baptizes you in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so suddenly it's not a man's word and a repetition kind of thing that's coming out of your mouth, but it is the words that the Holy Spirit has put in your heart, and they begin to flow out of your tongue, and you begin to speak words that even you can't understand. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes those words are actual languages. And sometimes they are, they're different than that. And I tell you that we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. It's relevant today. It wasn't just for the disciples back then. And can I tell you that it is the Holy Spirit that will prepare us for the modern day work that God has given for us to do. He's preparing us. Jesus prepared His disciples. Uh, he prepared them. He prayed and then He taught them how to pray. He would cast out demons and heal the sick. And then He would uh, have them do the same thing. He would teach them and He would train them. He said, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And then He reinforced it and reinforced it again. And they begin to be prepared. He said, you've already heard about this Holy Spirit from me. <laughs> Most of us don't like to have things just dropped on us. Anybody like that? Something new. Boom, here it is. We don't like that, do we? We're, we don't feel prepared and ready. So here is Jesus saying, the Holy Spirit's coming. He's going to be a helper. He's going to be a comforter. He's going to be one who comes along beside you. In just a few days, He's coming. And so they're prepared in their heart and mind and ready to receive what uh, the Lord is about to send down upon them. And so uh, we need to be prepared. Look at this. The timing of it all. Jesus getting ready to ascend to heaven getting ready to go back to God. And verse 2 of chapter 1 in Acts tells us that he's been there for 40 days, giving them commandments and teaching them about the kingdom through the Holy Spirit. That ought to make you back up and think. The risen Lord... The one whose body has been transformed. The one who is 
uh, lived and died here on earth and been resurrected, his resurrected body, went to heaven, he came back, reappearing and reappearing, and he is teaching through the power of the Holy Spirit. That ought to tell us something. If the resurrected, transformed Lord is using the power of the Holy Spirit to communicate, then that is important for us, uh, ultra important that we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If He used it and needed it, how much more do we need it, right? And it's important as as you look at that, that we receive this power. We cannot afford or attempt uh, to do the work of the Lord without the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. And about the time you think that Jesus is getting through to the disciples, they ask a question. Jesus, are you going to restore Israel? Is the kingdom of Israel going to be restored again at this time? But he says it's not for you to know. Anybody struggle with that? We'd like to know everything. But sometimes we don't. And sometimes the Lord doesn't tell us everything for a good reason. When I was growing up, if I knew I was going to be a pastor by the time I hit this age, that had been scary because I wasn't prepared. But as I continued to grow and the Lord prepared me, and then there came a time that I, I felt the call of the Lord upon my life and I was prepared. See, this preparation is important in our uh, lives that we be prepared for the Lord. He said, it's not for you know the times or the seasons, the epochs, those uh, uh, d- definite fixed things. You don't need to know those. You don't need to know the chronos or the time, uh, either whether it's short or long, or the kairos, which is a specific or definite time. You don't need to know that. Why? Why don't I need to know? Because it keeps you focused. Jesus said, that's not important right now. What's important is that you go back to Jerusalem And you wait, and they're going to wait 10 days. They don't know it. They don't know if it's going to be 10 days, 10 minutes, uh, 10 years. They don't know. And they must stay focused on the calling of the Lord. Go back. They don't seek the Holy Spirit, but they seek the Lord Jesus, who is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And they are baptized, I'm getting ahead of myself, but they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, it was a good thing for them to stay focused upon the mission. Remember when Jesus tells the parable where the master says to his servants, I'm going away, and I'm going to leave you here. And the question at the end of that is, when the master returns, will he find his servants doing The master's work. That's why it's important that we sometimes don't know exactly uh, when and where the Lord is going to do something, but he puts a focus and a work to do in our heart and life. You don't need to know the time. You don't need to know the season. Just focus upon what he's called you to do. And when you do, you're going to receive power. The Holy Spirit 
You see, they understood power in the sense of humanity. They knew that Israel was under the control and the reign of Rome. And they said, Jesus, are you going, are you going to rectify all of that? Are you going to give Israel back the power? And he said, oh, you're going to receive a power. But it is a power that is not of this world, but it is of the kingdom of God. And it is a power that is a spiritual power that is greater than any power that you could have imagined. Go there and wait for it. Wait for the promise. It's coming, but wait for it. You see, when you do, you'll receive that power. And you shall be witnesses. It's not a command. It's not a suggestion. It's simply indicative of what will happen when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, something happens when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. It gives you an inherent power that you don't really even understand. While we love the Holy Spirit and how it feels when uh, we're worshiping the Lord and we're in, in great worship and the music is wonderful and all that kind of things happening and we get uh, those spiritual goosebumps. That's wonderful. That's great. But that's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And even when miracles happen, that's not the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit. What is the primary purpose is that you shall receive power and after you do, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's a power to communicate the gospel. It's a power to testify. Hear me. Some people get really disturbed. Pastor, I don't, I don't know enough Scripture to really witness to people. Do you know what He's done for you? That's what a witness is. A witness testifies about what they saw, what they experienced, what they knew to happen. And so when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He is going to empower your testimony. So that it is effective when you come into the presence of those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And suddenly you'll be finding yourself and there will be an anointing and a flow upon your testimony. And people will be drawn to the Lord because of your testimony. He said, you'll be my witness. Witness of what He's done in your life. You'll receive that power. Dunamis power. Inherent and explosive power. It's where we get the word dynamite. But hear me. I know you've heard that part from me. But it doesn't just mean power. It also means ability. Strength to accomplish something. Not just crazy explosive power like dynamite. But power to be effective in what you are called to do for the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Not a, I don't know how, I can't do what you called me to do. That, that, that goes beyond what I can imagine, God. But He gives you dunamis, strength and ability to do the work of God. The Holy Spirit that indwells you, that uh, fills you with 
his presence. It is the presence of Jesus Christ, the power with a purpose. It gives us power, but power with a purpose. You ever heard the phrase, and this is different, this came to me. You ever heard of the phrase that they're like a bull in a china shop? That's not descriptive of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will give you power and effectiveness and strength and ability to maneuver. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. And to accomplish the work that He's called you to do without busting down things and creating chaos. Pentecostals, sometimes we get, we get bad mouth because, uh, and sometimes it's true, we look crazy when we get to worshiping, right? That's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit, though. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to give us strength and ability to accomplish the work of Christ. Oh, I love miracles, and God does them. I love to feel wonderful in the presence of God. There's nothing like it. But this, this is power with a purpose. Look at your neighbor and say, we need power with a purpose.